When it comes to work, communication is key, even if you don't have a writing job. Sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast. This is a Bloody Vegans production. Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant centric. And this week is no different. I hope you're all well. Uh, and everything is good in your worlds. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. If you are a, um, a regular listener of the Buddy Vegans podcast, you will know that there's about to be a piece of admin before we get into the episode. If you're not uh, a regular listener, that is about to happen. So, <laughs> the piece of admin. Um, if you would like to support this podcast... Uh, either financially or not, there are a few ways to help. Firstly, the non-financial way is to head over to your podcast provider of choice and leave a five-star review. Um, go ahead and do that. It really does help the show uh, gain visibility and so on and so forth. So uh, it would be very much appreciated if you would take a moment of your day when you are in your podcast provider of choice. Um, there is a financial way to support as well. There's a couple actually. First is if you're an Apple podcast user, you can head to the Apple Podcasts app and there is a subscription service now built into Apple Podcasts. Um, obviously, the podcast is generally speaking free uh, and it will remain so. However, uh, if you were to pay the 99 pence a month uh, that is associated with hitting the uh, additional subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, uh, you can gain access to uh, episodes uh, ahead of time. So usually about seven days ahead. And there'll also be some other content, maybe some subscriber-only content as we move forward. So if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support uh, for just 99 pence a month, you can do on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the other way to support via the Patreon app or the Patreon website is to head over there and type in Bloody Vegans Podcast and there are a variety of subscription levels and a variety of prices too uh, should you wish to uh, make a small contribution in exchange for goods and services. I think that's all the admin. Thank you so much for listening to that, or skipping it, 
or whatever you did. A couple of weeks back now, I was delighted to have been joined by Monk Coleman, the author of Love Over Fear, A Guide to Peace and Purpose. Monk is an exceptional individual, incredibly wise, been through all kinds of trials and tribulations in his life, discovered veganism uh, through uh, a, a unique story, as, as everyone's is, but I think you know Monk's was particularly fascinating to me. I won't steal any of Monk's thunder, he'll, he'll explain it far better than me. Um, he's also a, a coach, public speaker, all kinds of different things. Just, just a truly genuine, authentic chap with an amazing story and lots of... Um, like I say, lots of wisdom to add, I think, to any conversation. I, I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Monk. Um, so, without further ado, let's get into the episode, shall we? This is a conversation between me and Monk Coleman. So, Mark, it would be awesome to get started with a little bit of your personal journey into the world of veganism. What what brought you here? Well, uh, my story is a little bit different. I think most people, they get the information and then make a decision based on information. But for me, it was through meditation, making a connection that way. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but for three years I was meditating. And then one day... Um, I was at a restaurant and it was a meat-based restaurant. I didn't nothing seemed good to me at the time. So I ordered a vegetarian omelet. No meat, no just you know, veggies and, and, and eggs. I didn't know what a vegan was at the time. And my friend that I was with said, Are you a, a vegetarian? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and from that day forward, I haven't had any meat. So I I, I it kind of blew my mind because I knew. You ever had that knowing, you just know you're not going to do something? I knew mm-hmm. I wasn't going to eat meat anymore, and I didn't know why. So I had to look up, you know, uh, meditation and vegetarian, and, there, and come to find out there's a big connection there. Because when you start to connect to, to something higher within yourself, and you start to connect to, you start to connect to all life. So the, the story that you're told and the programming that you're running with starts to collapse. And now you start to realize that all animals deserve to live and not to suffer. So these programs that we're running with, through meditation, it was starting to fall. So now I'm looking at animals like, all animals like dogs. Like, you know, dogs that lay up in the bed with us, they have emotions, that love their families. So when I started reading, it was very interesting because most of us can't um, kill our food even if if we had to do it because we see the pain and we see the suffering, but we pay someone else to do it. So I asked myself the question, if I don't want to see it done, why am I going to be a part of it? So obviously to me, there was something inside that said, it's not right. So from that point forward, I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to eat meat anymore. I didn't know what veganism was still. I didn't know it involved a bunch of other stuff, right? I just wasn't eating meat anymore. I didn't know there was that dairy had any type of violence uh, attached to it. I didn't know the egg process was like that. So I just continued to eat egg whites, and I didn't look for milk in anything. I wasn't a big milk drinker, but I, mm. it didn't concern me because, of course, cows just have milk, and they just take the milk from them, and, and we drink it, right? 
There's no harm mm-hmm. done there. And then I seen a video about the milk process and the egg process because they're so overlooked, mm-hmm. especially by vegetarians. We think, oh, we're not doing any harm when there's probably more harm done in the dairy, in the egg industry. So once I realized that, I was like, this whole thing is, is crazy. And I stopped doing that. And then I even took it a step further because now I realize that we are harming them almost in everything that we do. So my clothing now, now I'm feeling like I'm wearing somebody's skin, right? I can't do that anymore either. So I'm really starting to get connected and starting to see things I wasn't aware of prior to this waking or dropping the old program. So I take about 30 or 40 pairs of shoes. I have leather shoes, jackets, hats, everything that has anything to do with the animal. And I put them in my trunk. My wife says, well, let's get some bananas and oranges too. Put those in the trunk. Went down to my old neighborhood in Oakland, popped the trunk and just gave it all away. Mm-hmm. It wasn't feeling right to me even to me anymore, even though I bought them prior to this happening. So for me, veganism was is, is about unconditional love for all beings. It doesn't matter if they're animal or human. So even with that, the program started to, to crumble, like I said. And even with people that I looked at a certain way, that started to crumble as well. And I started to realize we all move the way we move because of the conditioning and the programming that we were raised with. So we're all walking around here, you know, living in this automatic reaction and response to everything, Mm. thinking that this is us when really it's the program you're working with. And a lot of times the program has a lot of dysfunction in it and a lot of hate and a lot of divisive things that come with it. Mm. So if I believe I'm this, like, and I always give the example about um, uh, how we get on China about the dog festival, Mm. right? Oh, that's terrible. How can you do that to these animals? That's horrible. It's only because of our program that we think these dogs are on a pedestal. It's only because of our program. To them, that's just another animal, which is the truth. It's just another animal. So we get on our high, uh, uh, we get on our high horse about this, but then in Hindu religion, they think cows are sacred. Do we care about their sacred animal? No, we do not. Hmm. We care we not one bit about their sacred animal. And that just goes to show you how programming works. Whatever's true for you, it's true for you. But when you, in other cultures, it's, it's not okay because you weren't raised that way. And same with religion. It's same with anything that causes division. It's a program because beyond the program, we are one. Beyond the program, we are all connected at the deepest level. Beyond the program, there is no racism. Right? Beyond the program, there's no speciesism. Beyond the program, we're brothers and sisters, all of us. It's the elimination of the program that's going to bring people together and to live a more compassionate and understanding life. Now, also, when I see people living a certain way, I know it's unconscious. It's unconscious living. So I I did almost 40 years of that. So I don't judge those people. Mm -hmm. I know that they have transformed. I know they, they can transform their lives and they can change their lives just like I did. So to hold space for them and to still love them the same you would love any, the same way you would love anybody else is key to helping them in their transformation. 
And I think even within the vegan community, there's so much judgment and so much division within the vegan community that's a turnoff to a lot of people. I think if we were just to be like, okay, uh, 80% vegan where people throw them under the bus, if we just say, you're doing great, just keep on coming, you know what I'm saying? It would do a Mm -hmm. lot more than to judge these people. Because most of us, most of us ate meat at one point in time. Mm -hmm. And if we were going to get judged at that time, we pro- I didn't know what a vegan was, but if I were to get judged at, at that point, who knows? I might have went back the other way. Like, I don't want nothing to do with this. So, like I said, veganism to me is unconditional love. It's not basically really about the animals. It's about love in general and compassion and kindness to beings that have the ability to suffer like we do. And that's all animals. It, that. And I'm completely on the same page as you. And there's a, there's a point I wanted to sort of ask your opinion on, really, based on what you just said. And 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 I absolutely see it myself. This division within the vegan community. And I often think the same thing. We've kind of come so far. We've seen this kind of programming up to a point, you know, to make to make this kind of big decision to become vegan. But then don't necessarily see that the way that we enact that, the way we discuss that can actually cause a, a just a different type of division. Where do you think that kind of comes from, Where, given the fact that people have kind of gone that that far down the, the journey? Well, it's interesting because in, within the vegan community, you still have people that don't have compassion for other humans, mm. right? They, they don't have, they can't see the struggle in other people outside of their own social construct. Mm. They, they somehow made a connection to animals, whatever, however that went, whether they seen a video or whatever. But at the same time, they're not expressing that unconditional love towards any other beings. So you can love these animals. You made that connection, but you still can't love these people that maybe don't look like you, that have a different type of experience. So like for me, it was it encompassed everyone and in all species, right? So for me, when I was making my transformation, I was down at the homeless camps, feeding people vegan food and doing that stuff. I started to have so much compassion for everyone and not to judge them by the situation they're in currently. Mm. So I believe if in the vegan community, if you just make the entire connection and not just make a connection with the animals, now you're going to move in a space of love. Now you're going to go, okay, This person, they don't believe the same way I do, but I'm still going to show them love because I understand that's where they are and the experiences they had in their life might have made them this way and most likely did. So what's the best way to help people to look at something different? Not to judge them, but to love them. That's the only way you can do it. Mm. If you love them, they're going to see something, they're going to receive whatever you're saying in a different way. If I come up to you, and I always use this example as well, if you know the guy that stands outside of the, the, the sporting events with the sign that says, you're going to go to hell, repent, that guy? <laughs> yeah. Right? So that guy versus a, a someone out there that says, handing out pamphlets or whatever that says, I would love for you to stop by our church if you get a chance, and, and it's very kind to you, mm. you're more likely to go, wow, he was really nice. <laughs> I think I might go try that out. I like that vibe. But the guy that's judging you and telling you what you're going to do if you don't change your ways, 
you're going to get the finger. That guy's going to get the finger. Nobody wants to be judged and ridiculed for how they're living. No mm. one. And no one's perfect on top of that. If we want to take the perfect vegans, you can go through that person's house or their car or whatever. You're going to find something that's not vegan. Veganism is about doing the best you can. It's as long as you, the best you can when it comes to what you're aware of. You can't change something if you're not aware of it. So you do the best you can. You know eating meat is no. Dairy is no. You know the testing on animals, no. But you're still, nobody's 100% vegan. You can try as much as you want to try. But even the public transportation, if you ride on that, I mean, so, so much is out there. So we just got to do the best we can. And if everybody did the best they can, then everything would start to change. But, you know, just the basic stuff of, of you know, that, you know, the animal agriculture, uh, that, that whole industry is just killing the planet off. You know, we know this. It's causing all type of harm and damage. And, and even the environmentalists that don't want to change their ways because the program is so strong, they won't even speak on this. How are you going to be an environmentalist and not speak on what's causing the most damage and taking up the most resources on the planet? How do you not speak of that? Yeah. We're so comfortable and what we were raised to believe that we don't want to step out of that box. That box is solid to us. It's real to mm. us. So when we're born from like birth to seven years old, we're, we're being created. When we come in, we already know who we are. And then, we're start, and then we get created. And depending on your circumstances, how you, what environment you were raised in, you can, you're going to have a very dysfunctional life like I did. You're going to grow up believing a certain way about the world and life and marriage and relationships and coping mechanisms. And then when you grow up, this is what you do. Because this is your true belief about yourself and, and how to move in life. So if they're really dysfunctional and negative, when things come into your life, you're going to react to those things in a negative way. Look. It's very simple to see in, in very poor neighborhoods the actions and reactions of people in poor neighborhoods. It's because of the story mm. and the, the on-purpose ghettos that are created and the poverty that's there. How do you deal with that, right? So if you're seeing this your whole life and you're seeing pe people cope to whatever the situation is, this is going to be your coping mechanism as well. It's not about the people, the race of the people. It's about the circumstances the people are put in. If you grab anybody, any group of people, and you put them in a very hard situation, full of poverty and violence, mm. stick them in that situation, chances are, and that's why it's so amazing when someone makes it out, because the chances are you're going to be a part of this whole thing, whatever it is, survival. I mean, a lot of times it's just about survival. How am I going to eat? How am I going to live? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Am I going to get shot going to school? What's going to happen to me? So just like if, a, if you were thrown into prison, when you get out of prison, you're going to be a different person because you have to survive this situation by any means necessary. You got to do what you got to do. So as a child and you have this mind that's still taking everything in, this is what you're taking in, right? The liquor stores on every corner, the fast food, mm. the... The, uh, I say this all the time, and it rubs people in the wrong way, but the churches, you know, there's churches all through the hood, but there's still the most highest, you know, violence in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Why is that? It's not helping. You know what I'm saying? So you got the, 
the, the crime that's taking place right in front of you as a child. So you normalize it. You become numb to it. So you just think that's the way of life. But if you were to take a kid out of that tough situation, you would have give them support in a support system. When they were born, that kid would turn out completely different. So it's really about how we were shaped and made. Look, right now, if we were conscious enough, we wouldn't need laws or rules. Mm. We wouldn't need them. We would understand the oneness of everything and we'd take care of each other and we'd love each other and we'd support each other. The only reason why we have rules and the reason why rules are kind of important is because we're not conscious enough not to hurt our, our fellow beings. We're not conscious enough to, to treat people the way they, they, they should be treated. So we have to say, here, this is what you do. Don't kill people. Here, this is what you do. It's like, how, do we, how are we not conscious enough to understand that this is not okay? How, as a, as, as a world, how are we not conscious enough to know that the terrible things that we're doing to each other is not okay? We are not conscious enough just to, for the bait. We have our children when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. You know, all the things in the Bible and all these religious texts and stuff, love your neighbor, we can't even get that. We don't even understand that. Because we don't know who we are. And if we don't know who we are, how do we know how to treat people? Right? We believe we're something that we're not. And we believe that our fellow beings are something that they're not. Just like in veganism, we think our fellow beings, some of them should be eaten and some should be loved. How is that? Why is that? Mm. What, 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 what is the determining factor that says, kill this, cat, this pig that's smarter than a dog, or kill the dog. How does that decision, how is that decision even made? Well, I'm gonna tell you how it's made. Ever since day one, when you were born, the dog was a family pet. It's outrageous. You understand that that pet can show love and give love. You understand that. Some people like their pets more than they like their kids. Mm. So if that animal has that capacity and the ability to do that, how come we can't see that other, other animals have the same? And that's what I'm saying. It's a story that's told to us. The reason why everything is crazy right now is because there's a story that's told to us. Some people believe this story. Some people believe that story. This causes division. So even when people start making bacon jokes and things like that, I understand the unconsciousness of it all. I don't let it make me angry. Mm. I understand where they're coming from. It's funny. It's a joke. You see what I'm saying? And I probably would have thought it was a joke back in the day, too, before I understood what it really was and, and what really happens. You know, no one, I think a lot of people don't even know the process because they try to keep that from us, mm. right? They don't want us to see those videos. They don't want us to go. You don't take kids on a field trip to the slaughterhouse. You don't do that. There's no windows or stuff so you can see the process that's going on here. There's no, we don't talk to the people that are basically forced to work into these, in these places, how depressed and, and how the uh, addiction runs in, in these families because of what they have to see and experience every day. We don't see that. We see cows happy on a, in the sunshine on, on a, you know, one or two here and there. We see chickens running around having the, their best life uh, because that's what they want us to see. That's what they want us to believe. When these, I mean, and I'm I'm totally with you that there is a uh, there is a deliberate design 
to this you know that these 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 boxes that we're all kind of put in are are designed that way there are power structures that are sometimes visible sometimes invisible that that uh put their thumb on the the scales if you like to 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 tip them in certain directions for, for certain groups etc i'm just i'm very aware like when you when you sort of uh, through this process of meditation became aware of some of these things started to think perhaps quite differently um and and more openly really critically thinking about that first kind of food and so on and 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 beyond obviously beyond what was the reaction like from your kind of friends and family who who perhaps weren't in the same that same space you know uh, have you had much or have, have generally you've been lucky enough to be around people who've kind of gone on the same journey with you well first like my dad got, it was uh, died when i was about three and a half and there were seven of us kids and uh never had a father figure or anything like that so it was very uh it was a, my mom's amazing just because we all we mm. got to eat we had food and she had to do this all on her own but it was still very dysfunctional, um, you know, n- not very educated, um, always on the system, uh, welfare. I don't know if you know what that is, but, you know, mm. you don't have any money. They give you money to survive, basically. Yeah. So when I got older and I was doing my old thing and I got into the, uh, you know, drinking and selling drugs and, and living that type of lifestyle, I was I was really, I, I didn't really have much contact with my family. Mm-hmm. And the way we were raised, I love them all, don't get me wrong, but I was never really close to them. And I just moved out of the area. And even if I was, it wouldn't really matter because I always have done my own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if it's a family member. Um, I hear people going, oh, my family's going to do this and my family's going to do that. I'm like, wow, you have a close family. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? I don't <laughs> yeah. care. It's not even mm-hmm. that way. I mean, you can't tell you can't tell me anything. I don't care who you are. So it didn't impact my decision at all. Um, the only one that I had uh, kind of not a problem with, but was like, uh, I ain't gonna, uh, you, that's you. I ain't going to be vegan, was my wife. Right. So when I came, when I had the realization, right, I came home, I said, I'm not eating meat anymore. She was like, good, like basically good for you. Good for you, but I'm going to keep eating it, right? Right? She, I know right. she thought it was crazy, but he's a vegan and been vegan for like, for years now. Okay. Five years. Five years. But when I, when I came to that realization, I was just like, like I said, I knew. When I got home, I, was, I told her immediately, I'm not, like, I'm not eating meat anymore. Okay. Right? So she started fixing me food and stuff and leaving this meat out. And then she just kind of got used to that. And all of a sudden, she was vegetarian. And then she was vegan. And then the daughter, she was six. She was she went vegan on her own, and um, yeah. So the family didn't have any impact on what 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 I had going on. Oh, fa- fair <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, th- just just sort of moving moving forward, thinking about um, the uh, the the book and the inspiration for the book. When did when did kind of the the idea start to enter your mind that you know I, I need to get some of these thoughts that I have uh, down onto onto paper? Well, it, it kind of just happened. So I believe when you make yourself available and you do the things 
like I do my meditation practice, my spiritual practice every day. And when you allow yourself to be open to receive, and that's what meditation leaves you open to receive, then you receive things. So I was at doing my reading. I read every day. I go to the, to the copy shop and, and read every day. And for some reason, I watched this video, and it was about speakers. Because, you know, I do speaking. And it was like, what are you giving your audience when you speak to them? And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, my message, I give them my love. But, you know, a lot of times when you speak, it's great for them at the moment. But when they go mm. back and go into their regular lives, it's just kind of, okay, the message is lost. Because, like I said, we are programs, and that program is strong. And even though we get new information, we will quickly remove that new information and go back to the program. So he said, what are you going to give your audience? And then there's 10 things that I, I had written down to speak on. And I usually don't write things down to speak on anything. I just, I just run my mouth. So <laughs> I shelved it. I didn't even use it. It was these 10 things. And then when he said that, what are you giving your audience? Boom, those 10 things. I said, I got to go find them because they were all in a notebook somewhere. I said, I'm going to go find those 10 things and I'm going to break them down. And I'm going to speak on them. I mean, I'm going to write a book about it. And that's how that happened. And I just started writing. I was so inspired. I'm like, yeah, this is going to help a lot of people. And I just, that's how it happened. Within a year and a half, I think, the book was published. Wow, incredible. And what's, what's, the, what's the reaction been like? from? Oh, it's been so good. Um, I even had someone tell me it's like it's like all the self help books wrapped into one. Wow. I thought that was a real yeah. <laughs> great compliment because you know this person reads uh, self help books and it's super short. There's no fluff. It's just right to the point. Because I'm I'm I was never I'm not a writer. Why well, I am now? I mean, I'm not an author, <laughs> right? But so I don't know how it's supposed to look. I don't know if you're supposed to try to make the big book bigger by putting stuff that's not really important in there or whatever, but I'm just like, this is what's important to me. This is what I'm going to put in it. And when a book came back and it looked so small, I'm like, dang, that book looks small. But then <laughs> I started getting people going, that don't read going, it's small enough where I can read this. Like I can actually mm. read this because it's not a huge book. And it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a guide. So it's something you can always go back to and reference if you're having a hard day, you can open it up. You're gonna get what you're gonna get something out of it, whatever you're looking for. So um, I've had a very, very good response to it, and I'm I'm getting it into the school systems, into the prison systems, um, getting it into places where people have really mm. lost their way. Yeah, you need to look in a different direction. You know, this book basically is a blueprint on how I came out of alcoholism and transformed my life. I'm really interested in the in the title. The title intrigued me because you know, like you say, a blueprint for how you got over some of the most challenging things in your life, and and hopefully be an inspiration and and a, and a and a practical help to others. But it's interesting that love over fear, specifically, that you targeted fear as that's what is often the cause of some of these some of these problems that we go through in life. I'd love to get your kind of your, your take on that and the, the the sort of the genesis of that title. Well, I believe fear is the root of everything that we don't want. 
every emotion, all hate, all anger, it's all fear is the umbrella that it all comes from. If you, if you look at jealousy, if you look at hate, why would you hate somebody? Because there's something that you fear about that person, right? If you're mm-hmm. jealous, you, you're fearing that you might lose your partner, right? Anger, why are you angry? Because you fear something might be taken away from you. So mm-hmm. it's all fear. And all fear is, all love is, is the absence of fear. So if you re- love and fear cannot coexist. You're either living under the love umbrella or you're living under the fear umbrella. The love umbrella is going to feel different than the fear umbrella. So if you ever have this overwhelming negative feeling, there's some fear going on. So people think the love and the hate, but it's really love and the fear because the hate comes from the fear. You're only hating something or someone because you're afraid of something or someone. That's the only reason. You're fearful. If you look at the root of anything that you're going through that's uncomfortable, it's fear behind it. So that's why I use that. Yeah, it's certainly an, an incredible kind of observation and a, and a very astute one. And, and thinking about that, you know, for for folks who um, who who want to kind of get started on this journey, perhaps have recognised some negative behaviours in themselves, some some things that they that that can be categorised under this this kind of coping mechanism, coping with fear um, umbrella. Where where would they start for you? You know, like meditation's been incredibly powerful for you. I'd, li- I'd like to get your kind of view on you know, the, the opening steps to developing that level of, you know, astute thinking, critical thinking. Yeah, so awareness is key. Awareness. If you're not aware of something, how are you going to be able to get through that, right? So mm. they have studies now where trauma, they know that trauma can be passed down through your generations, right? It can be mm. passed down from your mom, your dad, your grandparents, so on and so forth. It can be passed down. So if they went through, they, they studied some people that were in the uh, uh, concentration camps and their kids weren't even part of the tr- concentration camps, but their child was suffering from the trauma that they experienced in the concentration camps, right? So it can be passed down through you. So say you come in with a bunch of trauma that's already there and then you got added trauma onto it. So the reason why we don't like, or we, a lot of people say, well, I can't meditate, I can't. When you start to get still, all these things start to come up and it's uncomfortable. So we distract ourselves. For me, I used alcohol. We didn't have all the social media when I started doing my thing. So I didn't have all this stuff, these distractions I can use to get me out of my fearful thinking. So I used the alcohol, and what alcohol did was it got me to a false sense of presence. It kind of lowered that fear that I had in me, suppressed it, and allowed the high to be there. So when I was drunk or drinking, I wasn't worried about the future or the past, right? There was no anxiety. There was no depression. I was there. But then you have to deal with the repercussions of what the alcohol is doing to you even on an emotional level, when you have your hangovers and your body is hurting and you're hurting, you know, you're, everything is hurting. Body, mind, and spirit is hurting. So to get out of that, you got to do it again. And this is how addictions mm. 
start. And it start and, and it's they don't it's not all at once, it just gradually turns into something. So we can't be afraid of what's there. We have to get still. And it doesn't have to be meditation. Go out in the woods. Go sit on the beach if you're close to one. Go be by yourself. See what comes up for you. Unless you do that, you're always going to be suppressing. And what happens when you, when you suppress is it's going to always express itself one way or the other sooner or later. So the more you push it down and the more you push it down, the more the pressure builds. And then all of a sudden you're exploding on your partner, your, your, your coworker, whatever it is, because it has to come out and it's stored in the body or it comes out in disease or some other way because it's not being taken care of. So whatever you do, you have to get out of the noise and get still. And that's what I did. I just got out of the noise and I got still and I said, what do I need to deal with internally? Until you do that, I don't care what you do. It's, nothing's going to happen until you heal yourself and allow these traumas to be released. But the healing has to take place first. And that's why so many people have, they have the dream life, but they're still depressed. They haven't taken care of what they need to take care of on an emotional level, on a spiritual level. On, any, on the levels that really matter, they haven't taken care of that. Okay, they're great with their finances, right? They have this picture-perfect life, but why are they still killing themselves? Why are they so depressed? Why are they using uh, uh, drugs now when they have the perfect life? It's because they don't have the perfect life. The material things will never give you a perfect life. They can add to your life, but the internal work is where, it, where the, the, the work needs to be taking place on the inside, not the outside. So when you do that, right, you take care of whatever you need to take care of, the traumas, the healing, uh, all the emotional stuff. Now when you get stuff, you have a different relationship with it. It doesn't validate your life. That's why there's people that have hardly anything, but they're so peaceful. And, they, and, the, and, the, and their life is, they have so much joy in their life. It's like, how can you be in this situation and have so much joy in your life? Because they understand what it's all about. They understand what, what happiness is all about, what joy is all about, what healing is all about. And they don't need anything outside of them to feel this way. I think the problem with our society is we think when we get something, it's going to change something on the inside. Like if I get a million dollars, I'll be good. I'll be happy. If I get the right wife or husband, I'll be happy. If I get the right job, I'll be happy. You'll be happy for about two weeks. And then it's back to the same old feelings that you haven't dealt with. So we got to understand that happiness is an inside job. Joy is an inside mm. job. So where do you, where do you got to go? Well, if it's an inside job, where do you got to go? You got to go inside. Nothing outside is going to do that for you. And like I said, alcohol gave me a false sense of that. And I think that's what people, you know, mm. alcohol and drugs, is just, it's just a response to trauma. Not knowing how to work through it. Not feel like we didn't, like... We don't want to feel this uncomfortable feeling that we're feeling, so we, we try to get rid of it instead of dealing with it. So anybody that's dealing with, with any type of addiction, that's just a response to trauma. It's just there's, there's healing that needs to take place, and we don't know how to do it. And that comes back to the programming. How did you see it taken care of when you were growing up? Well, this is what... Mm. The people I grew up with did. This is how they dealt with it. 
right? So this is how I'm going to deal with it. I don't know any other way. Counselor, therapist, what is that? Meditation, what is that? I don't have no clue about these things. I, we, didn't, we didn't have the tools to, to heal. We didn't have the tools. We didn't have the options like, what can I do if I'm going through this? It was just like drugs or alcohol or, you know, yeah. sex or whatever it is that takes your mind off the feeling or the, or the emotions that you don't want to deal with. And that's what we did. So we, we have to, most people can't sit in the room five minutes without feeling uncomfortable. And I think that's where we're at right now. Like turn off everything for five minutes and sit there and see how you feel. How does that feel for you? Most people start, start to fidget or mm. like look for their phones or, you know, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. We don't want to hear what's going on inside. We don't want to hear the chatter. You got to understand those voices, that's not you. The voices are not you. The inner dialogue is not you. And you have the, the power to change that inner dialogue. There's always things that are going to come up and the key is, how are you going to respond to those things that come up? Are you going to attach to them and let it get you emotional? Or are you going to look at them and just let them go? Just let them pass on by. All thoughts are neutral until you attach something to them. Mm. Period. All thoughts are neutral until you give them power. And that's why they say when you focus on something, it grows. So... People say, oh, you are your thoughts. No, you are not your thoughts. If you were your thoughts, who's watching those thoughts? Mm. You're, you're seeing the thoughts. Seeing the thoughts. That's you. The thoughts are coming. If I tell you not to think about a pink elephant, guess what you're going to do? <laughs> you're going to think about a pink elephant. Right? It just comes. Thoughts just come. Now, mm. what meditation did for me was it changed my relationship to my thoughts. So when the thoughts came, I go, okay, I see you. I see you. And instead of drinking and try to push them down, I'll go get into meditation and deal with it, whatever it is at that time. And don't get me wrong, things still come up. I still deal, deal with fear. Mm. I, I, I'm not all the way to the point where I don't deal with fear. But I have a different relationship with it now. When it comes, I have different coping mechanisms. I have different things that I can do to bring me back to the present, which where there is no fear. So I think it's key for anybody that's starting to get to a place where, even if it's for short periods, just go somewhere and be with you. Because we, always, we have all the answers. We have the answers within us. But we think the answer is outside of us. And I think this is the issue. We're looking for others to help us. When we can help ourselves, it's, we've always had it. And this is why, you know, when you see a baby that's not programmed yet, you can see God in that baby's eyes. There is pure conscious awareness, mm -hmm. no labels, no nothing. Just like, oh, what is going on with mm -hmm. And I don't care if their parents are racist, I don't care if their parents are horrible people, that young baby sees you as God too. You see what I'm saying? Until they are yeah. programmed, that baby will love you unconditionally. 
and tell the parents, say, hey, don't love that person, or this person's like that, or don't do this, or don't do that. Don't live your dreams. You know, they shut you down and give you a, something to live by because they think it's going to be the best for you. But most of the time, all you're doing is taking away from that kid's dreams because I believe, I truly believe we all came here to do something that only we can do it the way we can do it. And it could be an artist. It could be an entertainer. But you have these parents that want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, and you're taking away that kid's spark. You're taking away that, that fire, mm-hmm. the inspiration. And you're, uh, a lot of times you're, you're guiding them to uh, 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 something that they hate just to please you. So I believe when now I believe, I mean, I believe that now, but prior to that, uh, I really didn't think about it too much. But with my youngest daughter, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, whatever lights up your soul, you do that. You know, I'm going to tell you not to walk out on the train tracks or in, in traffic <laughs> and the basic don't touch the iron type of stuff. But man, whatever you want to do, whatever lights you up, you do that because that's what you're here to do. Whatever that is, it doesn't matter. what You know how many people that are so successful right now, they went against what their parents wanted because they knew, they knew deep down that they were going to do this. They were going to make it happen. This is what would lit them up. And if anything that lights you up, you're that passionate about it. It's going to happen because you're doing it with all your heart. You're doing it with all your soul. You can't stop that. I mean, look at some of the things going on. I mean, people are doing now so successful. And he's like, how did you even start that? Yeah. Right? But they did. And they knew it was going to work because there was something inside them that said, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And they did it. They didn't let no one tell them they couldn't. And I think that's the way we need to be with our kids, except for the basic stay out of harm type things is, let them shine. Let them do what they came here to do. I believe you came here for something specific. I came here for something specific. And everybody else did too. We don't have to settle for just falling in line and doing what others want us to do. We got to shine. We're not here to be regular. How? I mean, we're miracles already. Why aren't we doing miraculous things? This is what we're supposed to be doing. I think my message is, for one, to run my mouth as much as possible, and to, <laughs> but to do it with love. That's what I do, yeah. right? I talk a lot. My wife always has to drive me away from conversations all the time, but I talk a lot. Now I'm on the radio, and it's called Conversations with Monk. So just like we're having conversations right now, well, I talk a lot. That's my thing. Why not be on the radio? You got to go where your strengths are. <laughs> this is what I love doing because I love sharing love. I love sharing new information that I come across, right? And I'm always open for new information. If there's new information that comes to me that seems better to me, I'm going with that new information. I'm never going to be like, I'm not going to pigeonhole myself. There's always new truths or truths. There's, you know, laws and things that can't be untrue, but there's always new truths as far as our subjective points of view, Mm. right? That better truths for us. So as we evolve... Our truths might change. Our truths might change. Not truths, but our truths. Right? We're all subjective in one way or the other. And that's because of, like I said, going back, it's how we were raised. It's our program. So anytime I come up with new information that's delivered to me, and I, I think you can only get new stuff when you're ready to receive it. So as you elevate yourself, inf- new information is available for you as you 
go higher in your consciousness, in your awareness, things will be given to you. Like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because the, the stuff I believe now, if you would have told me these things 10 years ago, I'd have said, you're crazy. But now look at who's crazy. It's me. That's why I, that's why I say <laughs> never say that something or someone is crazy because all crazy is is a lack of understanding. So when you, you don't know how to understand something, what do you call it by default? Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. No, you just don't understand. If you were to tell a child like the, the, the laws of physics or something, they'd think you were crazy. They wouldn't know what you're talking about. No, you just don't understand. So we can't write things off as crazy. Let's investigate what, whatever that is. And you might not find it so crazy. 100%. 100%. But Monk, there's a, there's a point I want to pick up on in there about stillness and the importance of it and you know getting back in touch with nature or meditating, whatever your method is, but finding your stillness. And I'm thinking about the last kind of 18 months, two years. Now, I appreciate for many it hasn't been a, a, a nice moment of reflection for them, but for others there has been a pause, you know, there, an enforced pause on all of the systems and the, the kind of treadmill that we might have been on of going to work and so on and so forth. Uh, and, you know, we've been forced to work from home and these kind of things. Do you think there is ultimately a, a potential shift in consciousness, if you like, that has been evoked by this kind of last 18 months, two years, and, and almost there is also a backlash from this, the program, the system, to try and quell that. You know, I'd love to get your view on it. 100%. 100%. There was a shit. There's a shift going on right now. Like, there's people that are, man, the systems, you don't even want me to talk about the systems put in place. So the systems is what keeps everybody divided. I mean, even mm. with this, these new mm. mandates and things that are going on, you got people that are just going at each other's necks. And it's made, it's, it's, it was intended to, to do this. We got, we got to understand whether you do one thing or you do the other thing, we're not meant to be going at each other like that. It's like we are, we, if you want to say the word victims, we're not victims, but we are the ones that are receiving what the government is giving us as far as what we should do or how we should act when it comes to certain things. And it's pushed. It's pushed, 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 pushed. This narrative is just pushed out there. You're wrong. You're this. You're that. You're this. And anything that causes this type of division, you got to know is intentional. Mm. So, I, yes, I see a, a shift in consciousness. And this is the only way that, that we're going to get this this, this world to change. It's in consciousness, right? Because if you start to raise your awareness, then you're going to see things you previously didn't see. I was watching politics up until maybe, I don't know how long it's been, but it, it wasn't that long ago. But I was in there going, falling right in line. Like, oh, these it's just mm. that story that they're giving you is just a story. And once you realize it's a story and both of them are talking about the same thing and they're just targeting different groups of people, you get out of that story because the story is a lie. It's always been set up to, to, to have a certain outcome. And some people are 
waking up and seeing it, and then some people are falling, falling deeper into it. And those people you will know is because they're very, their speech is very hateful, right? Mm-hmm. They're really identifying with whatever this message is. And it's on both sides of, of in politics, right? It's on both mm-hmm. sides. You got groups of people that are just would kill over their beliefs, and, and they're really not even their beliefs. They're someone else's beliefs that they have identified yeah. with. I, I tell people this when they try to say, you know, if you ask a person who are they, most people will have a hard time answering that. And then some people will start naming off their name, their race, their religion, uh, so on and so forth, right? Their, their, their whole persona, their whole identity, they will start naming off all these things. Some people were like, uh, I, you know, that's a, that's a tough question. Who, who, who am I? But if the people that start naming off all these things, it could be their career, what they do. It's like, first of all, you didn't know your name when you were born. You had no clue who you were. You had no, you, I'll take that back. You knew exactly who you were. You had no clue who you were on, in, on, on this planet at this time, mm. right? You didn't know that your name was this. Your first meal, other than mother's milk, was probably, was, was given to you by your parents, right? Your first real meal probably in, in, included meat. So at a very young age, you're eating meat at what, two years old when they start giving mm. people, kids regular food? You're still developing. You're seeing everything your parents do, what they talk about. You're taking all that in. First of all, you, when you're, you finally realize who, what your name was, I, I don't know what age that is, but think about this. They're calling you a sound that you have no clue what this sound is, but they're trying to get your attention when they say this sound. So say your name is Paul. They keep you Paul, and then they get your attention, get your attention. Paul, get your attention, get your attention, get your attention. Then finally, finally you go, when they say that, they want me. And that's mm. why a lot of times when people... The kids are not identified with their name fully yet. They'll speak in the third person. Paul is hungry. They don't know that that's actually them. Right? So then you go forward. You're listening to your parents talk about things. Could be racism. Could be politics. Could be whatever. You're soaking that. That's getting all soaked in. The diet's given to you. Now maybe they're religious. So you're going to church from day one while your brain and everything is getting formed. So you got the religion there, you got the diet there, you got your name there. Mm. You may or may not have what, you know, your parents could be loving parents that love everybody or they could be people that hate people. So you're getting all formed in, these, in this time. Now, this is your hard drive. So when you get about seven years old, now you're, boom, it's in there. So anything outside of that mm. doesn't seem right to you. So you got all these things in your identity and if, I like to call them boxes. And if those boxes go against another person's program or boxes, now you have conflict. I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. It's like, no. You were given that and you accepted it at one point and you were given that and you accepted it at one point. And whatever comes with that, now you're bumping heads. So when you get to a certain place and you say, I am this and I make my own decisions and I, that's not true. Until you realize that you are a program, you're going to stay in that program. 
your entire life. And that's why when it says, they say it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, it's because that program has been reinforced 50, mm. 60, 70 years. You don't argued about, you argued with people on these things that aren't even true for 50 years. Of course, you're not going to say you're wrong now. That's your program. This is your identity. And until you wake up and realize that that's not you, it's always going to be you to you. And that's what meditation did. It changed out the program because in the program, by default, you're always going to go back to certain behaviors. Mm. Right? So you're always, and it doesn't matter who you're with. If, if you go from relationship to relationship, you're always going to have the same issues because your behavior at the deepest level is going to be the same because of your program. So why do I always do this when things get hard? It's because that's, that's your default. That's your default yeah. mode. You're always going to go back to what you know, not what you want. We all want different things in our life. What we accept for ourselves and what we know, that's different. I didn't want to be an alcoholic, but guess what? That was my program. When times got hard, even if I was like, okay, I ain't going to drink, from, I'm, I'm going to stop. One bad day, I'll send you right back to that. It's because whatever got you to that place in the first place has not been taken care of. That's why people can go into rehab and come out and relapse because they didn't heal and change whatever needed to be healed. It's always there. All you're doing is forcing a stop. And when you force a stop, when the pressure gets enough, you're going to go back to your default, which is whatever it is, right? It could be, it could be uh, being infidelity, right? It could be shopping. It could be just random sex. It could be alcohols. It could be drugs. It could be uh, anything that's addicting. It could be food is the most overused uh, mm -hmm. drug there is. Why do you think obesity in America is, is so great? It's because it's an addiction. And when people feel stressed, they, what do they say? Comfort food. They want to mm -hmm. be comforted. So that food gives them that high, just like a drug or alcohol would give that high except for it's not looked down. It doesn't have that negative you know, connotation that drugs or alcohol does, even though it's killing people just the same. Although it's causing a lot of problems for a lot of people, but it's accepted. Just like alcohol is more accepted than cocaine because mm. there's a lot of people making money off of alcohol legally and it's socially accepted. So when, you know, if I go to a place and it's like, oh, you don't drink? Why you don't drink? It's like, it's poison. I've been there, done that, right? So I'm not mm -hmm. talking bad about people that drink. I'm just saying it's a drug and it's socially accepted. So in our minds, we don't have a problem when we really do have a problem. This is a severe problem with alcoholism in this country. And I don't know about other countries, but I know it's a, I, they say, I think it was the last thing, six, five, six out of 10 people have an issue with alcohol. And then during the pandemic, it even got worse. Alcohol sales went up. You know, alcoholism went up, domestic violence went up, all these things went up because people didn't know how to deal. They had to really get put in a position to deal with what they haven't been dealing with, right? Some people's escape is going to work because they don't like the relationship. Yeah. So that was their break from the relationship. I need to get out of here. But now you're forced into this situation where it's either going to make you stronger or you're going to grow or you're going to you're going to break up. 
So some relationships, they got a chance to really know each other better and they got stronger and grew together. And then some people were like, this is too much. You know, I, I wanted to go to work just to get away from you. And now I'm stuck with you. And I don't know why we were in this relationship in the first place, but it, it, it works out. It doesn't work out. You know what I'm saying? So it's really a, this whole thing is a really a, a chance to grow. It's a chance to, to really uh, evolve. But a lot of people, it was too much for them and they had to jump into alcohol or drugs or whatever. It certainly feels like this, this period of time has um, unearthed a lot in people, you know, what for, for, for some in, the good, in, in good ways, point of reflection as we talked about. For others, you know, it's, it's brought to the surface some trauma that's perhaps undealt with and, and, and unspent. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting time to, uh, to see how these kind of things end up manifesting themselves. Um, Monk, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Time's got away from us. I could literally listen to you all night. I honestly could. It's just pure, pure wisdom. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. Just um, um, genuinely makes me want to pick up a copy of the book, which I'm going to do straight after this chat, and uh, and I advise everybody else to as well. I'm going to put links in the show notes uh, so that people can click that link and go straight over to their either US or UK-based um uh, a point of sale for the for the book, but we'll do that and the and the obviously your website as well. But for folks who don't know, where can they go about finding out a little bit more and hearing more from you? Well, um, I got a website. Uh, it's monketernal.com. All my socials are there, and we're going to start selling the book from there as well. We're going to start uh, doing that as well. You know, instead of going through Amazon, you can get it on Amazon. But it's monk m o n k eternal dot com. Awesome. Like I say, we'll have links up uh, in the show notes so you can't miss them. Uh, thank you so much, Monk. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I do feel uh, enlightened, uh, positive. I feel like uh, I've got some good stuff to, to think about and reflect on. And I thank you for that. So thank you and, uh, and have a good one. Thank you, my brother. Speak soon.